Today's Old Testament reading comes from Deuteronomy 6, verses 20 through 25. First, let us pray. Gracious God, stay near to us as your word is read and proclaimed. Open our ears to hear you. Open our minds to understand you. Open our hearts to receive you. And open our lives to reflect you. Amen. When your children ask you in time to come, what's, what is the meaning of the decrees and the statues and the ordinances that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your children, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. The Lord displayed before our eyes great and awesome signs and wonders against Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his household. He brought us out from there in order to bring us in, to give us the land that he promised on oath to our ancestors. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our lasting good, so as to keep us alive, as is now the case. We diligently observe this entire commandment before the Lord our God. As he has commanded us, we will be in the right. This is the word of God for the people of God. Our Old Testament reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, and they were in the boat with their father, Zebedee. They were mending the nets, and he called to them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. This, too, is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Maya Angelou never called herself a Christian. She was an accomplished poet, a memoirist, an activist, and an author, but she believed that referring to yourself as Christian indicated something that was complete rather than a work in progress. In an interview after being awarded the Presidential Honor Presidential Medal of Freedom, she said, I'm always amazed when people walk up to me and say, I'm a Christian, because I think to myself, already? You got it already? I'm still working on it, she said. Jesus said, come and follow me, and they became his disciples. The Greek word for disciple is mathetes, and it means student learner. We're beginning a new sermon series this week with all your mind. Because Jesus tells us to love God not just with our hearts, but with our minds too. So we'll be thinking about some of the ways that genuine faith and rigorous intellect 
inform one another. Now, for one thing, both invite us to more than a healthy dose of humility. Faith and intellect both grapple with some of humanity's biggest and most foundational questions, questions for which we do not have the answers, which means we are all still learning. We are all still students, disciples. And Jesus says, follow me, because he is going to be our teacher. It is always good to have a guide on a journey. And that's what faith is. It's a journey. Thank God for teachers. By this point, you might already be remembering some of your favorite teachers. I was one of those kids who loved school. Every minute, every class, with one notable exception. I loved learning, but I was painfully shy. I hated speaking in class, even when it was just to read something aloud. When teachers would ask questions, I would avoid making direct eye contact, even when I knew the answer. And most of my teachers, they eventually learned that my silence wasn't really an indication of what I was learning, and they became content to let my written work speak for itself. And that was all fine and good until Mrs. Sill in the ninth grade. Every freshman in my high school was required to take and pass speech class. Now, this seemed entirely unreasonable to me, possibly even unjust, but more than that, it was downright terrifying. Well, first we ended up learning about writing speeches, and that was fine. That was great. I could do that all day long, but then we had to deliver them, and I would have preferred to eat a bowl full of fish hooks. For reasons I couldn't discern at the time, Mrs. Sill just refused to give me a break. I was not the worst public speaker in the class, but I was the most miserable. And as if to prolong the torture, after every speech I gave, she would make me and me alone stay after class and receive notes and try it all over again. Why, I pleaded with her, why, why can't you embrace what I have already embraced? Because I absolutely, positively, beyond a shadow of a doubt, will never do anything in my life that requires me to speak publicly. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that, she said. And she continued to make me shout across the auditorium and vary my pacing and drop my shoulders and say things like I meaned them. When all I wanted to do was go home and read a book, never mind, never stand in front of a podium again, she saw something I could not yet see. And every Sunday morning to this day, I think about Kathy Sill. You see, a good teacher is not someone who just conveys information, although that is important. A good teacher helps us see ourselves, and thus the world, with new eyes. This past week, we had Bible study as part of Shandon on Wednesdays. 
We had a class on one of the parables. Jesus was famous for speaking in parables, stories that could be interpreted in a variety of ways. Only on rare occasions did he ever offer his own interpretation. Amy Jill Levine is one of the very best modern-day teachers of these parables, and she says parables were never meant to serve as answers. They were meant to be an invitation, an invitation to inform and reform our living. In fact, she says, if the way that you read Jesus' parables doesn't raise more questions than it answers, you're doing it wrong. She has been studying them for a lifetime, and she says that every time she thinks she has finally figured out all the details, she stumbles upon something new, and it sends her back to the beginning all over again. Jesus taught that way not to frustrate us, but to, in fact, teach us, to teach us that life in the kingdom of God means there is always more to learn There is always more to wonder about. There is always more to delight in. All of the Gospels, all four of them, they record time after time that in response to Jesus' teachings, whether they were in word or in deed, people were amazed. Because he said, come and follow me. And then he taught them about, and then he taught them through stories about incredibly ordinary things, like seeds and weeds and wedding feasts. He would set the table and teach them that who you ate with mattered more than what you ate. He would take them on a boat ride and show them that life would bring no storm in which peace could not still be found. And he would teach them that death is strong, and it will break your heart. But it is nowhere near as strong as God's love, so do not be afraid. He was their teacher, and they were his students. And he taught them things they would never forget. Good teachers, like Jesus, yes, but also like Kathy Sill, They stay with us. We have a wonderful chance to say thank you to one of our beloved teachers today. The Reverend Bob Brearley served this congregation as interim pastor. He came after Tim Hoyt Duncan left on medical leave, and he walked with you all through what was, by any and all accounts, a difficult season. He stayed until I arrived, but we weren't able to say a proper thank you because by then we were deep in the early days of a pandemic. Now, I asked some of you all what you learned from Bob. Your answers were plentiful, and he's very uncomfortable right now. (laughs) He modeled peace and calm and gentleness, you said. You learned from him how powerful things like that could be. He taught you that kindness is always the right choice, that kindness should always be offered freely and abundantly because it costs us nothing. He taught you that there is no such thing as a stranger. He taught you to look for reasons to say yes rather than reasons to say no. 
Now, I have it on good authority. He also taught you a lot about some place in Georgia called St. Simon's, too, but that is another story for another day. Maybe more than anything, he reminded you who you are, who you have always been, and in so doing, he showed you glimpses of who we might be in the future, where this journey could take us even still. That's the thing about good teachers. They expand the world for their students. That's what Jesus was doing. It was a little over a week ago now. I received a phone call in the middle of the night. You're a false teacher, the voice said angrily into the phone. You have placed your trust in all the wrong things. You have no business talking about Jesus. And then he hung up. I was bleary-eyed, but I knew exactly what had prompted the call. Earlier that day, Shandon had been on the local news for the ways that we have been responding to the pandemic, for the ways that we are caring for one another by wearing masks and other preventative measures. And I said that all of our decisions had been based upon Jesus's instruction that we love one another. Another phone call that night, one that I wisely let go through to voicemail, said that Jesus knew vaccines were dangerous and so that by advocating for them, I did not have nearly enough faith and that I was leading all of you astray. This one went on to say, I have read everything I need to know about this on the internet. Now let me be clear about this, I am fine. The only damage done by these phone calls was a little less sleep that night. My point in sharing this with all of you is that it is common to find people who know very little about what Jesus said, but who think that they know a lot. And that is why we need teachers. Because there are all sorts of voices that want to draw this world closer in around them. And I understand that to a degree. When the world feels like it is spinning out of control, it is tempting to cling to what we have, to wrap it around us tightly, protecting ourselves. But y'all, there is a reason we call that a death grip. If there is anything Jesus taught us, it's that faith is not something we protect. It's something we give away. Christianity is not something we protect. It is something we give away. The entire reason the church exists is to give itself away. On Easter Day, in the moment of glorious resurrection, Jesus makes that clear. He says to Mary and all the rest, do not cling to me too tightly. I have to tell you, sometimes I see the way that Christians act and it makes me shake my head. On the other hand, I am certain there are others who would say that about me. But in those moments when my head is shaking and my general perspective on humanity seems to be sinking, that's when I once again remember 
how important it is to have a teacher. I mean that very seriously, because here's the thing. It is easy for me to think about the people who called me and left me voicemail and think that they need a teacher. But Jesus didn't say to James and John, y'all go over there and get some people and tell them to follow me. He said, you follow me. And he didn't say, write this down for later. He said, follow me because faith is a journey. So there are two things about this journey we are on. One, it never ends. And two, it's not just about learning something. It's about becoming who God wants us to be. Maya Angelou said, you're a Christian already? I am a Christian. And I am desperately trying to become one, too. Because this is a journey that does not end. And it is up to me whether or not I take the next step. I am the only one who can be Christian with my life. No one else is responsible for whether my life reflects Christ or not. And you are the only ones who can take the next step for you. You are the only one who can be Christian with your life. And no one else is responsible for whether your life reflects Christ or not. Kathy Sill taught me how to speak in front of a crowd. Bob Brearley taught us that God really is in control. Scott taught me that people don't want to be impressed by how intelligent or talented you are. More than anything, they want to be confident that you love them. Tom taught me that humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's just thinking of yourself less. Sarah taught me to tithe, to give away a full 10%. Elaine taught me that beauty and justice go hand in hand. Francis taught me to read the Bible carefully, and Roger taught me how to love it. I wish I had time right now to tell you what you have taught me, because you have already become my teachers. Maybe I can do that another time, but I will warn you now, that will be a long sermon. So for this week... Just two questions. Who are your teachers? And what is the next step for you as you seek to be Christian with your life? Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.